taking a few minutes out of your day to listen to this message. This is the Journey Church Podcast. Our hope is that it leads you closer to Jesus and encourages you to live your life on mission for Him. For more information about our church and how you can get involved in what God is doing at Journey, please visit jrny.church. Together today at all of our campuses. And so we are in the middle of a series, if you're joining us for the very first time, in the book of Proverbs. I told you last week, Proverbs is a book of wisdom. And uh, what we did is I said, we're going to take a look at Proverbs chapter 12 specifically for three weeks. And the basis of it was, is the Proverbs is a book uh, that oftentimes talks about the difference between a wise person and, and a foolish person. And so last week we, we began in the book of Proverbs uh, in the very first topic, it said that a wise person listens to instruction, heeds advice, but a foolish person thinks they know everything. So I said foolish people tend to think they know it all, can do it all, right, uh, are the exception to the rule. And the truth is, for, for us that struggle with foolishness, we just have a hard time being honest, that we're not that good. We don't have it all together, that, that we need help. And so I told you that the beginning of wisdom is actually to fear God and to ask him. And so we establish uh, that. Next week, we'll take a look at uh, Proverbs, uh, I believe, chapter uh, 12, verse number 23, where it says, the prudent keep their knowledge to themselves, but a fool's heart bl- blurts out folly. Uh, uh, in other words, if you love to hear yourself talk, you might be struggling with foolishness. How many of you can relate to that? Like, you're not, don't, not your neighbor. Like, you, I, I, like to, I like to tell people what I know, and I like to share my wisdom and, you know, my edumacation, things like that. Like, I like, I like to be, be heard. And so the Bible says that you should be careful and calculate your words and understand that oftentimes wisdom is refraining from speaking, uh, waiting for somebody to ask your opinion. Here's going to be a newsflash for you before actually giving your opinion. Anybody struggle with that? Like you just wait. And when somebody gives you that platform, you do it. And so today we're going to read Proverbs 12, verse number 16. And I want to show you this. And there might not be a more practical sermon I ever preach in my entire life. Whether you're a believer or you're not a believer, we are all going to struggle with this topic of what it looks like to be a fool. But watch what he says. Proverbs 12, verse number 16 says, fools, show their annoyance at once, but the prudent overlook an insult. Let me, let, me, let me tell you that again. Fools are always annoyed, but wise people have figured out, people that are filled with the Spirit of God have figured out what it looks like to deal with that, to not always get offended, to not always get bent out of shape. Anybody struggle with getting annoyed? I mean, let's just, you don't have to put your hand up because the truth is all of us do. Like if I, if I, if fools always get annoyed, I'm foolish, I need help. In fact, I, I spent just about five minutes and I made a list up of things that annoy me. And maybe, and it's just a short list, like I could have kept going, I had to cut myself off, right? It was closed, time to go home. And so they turned the lights off on me in this situation. And so like I made myself a, a list and maybe, maybe you have notes, you can take a note of things that annoy you. I just, for myself, I, I'm annoyed when I go to the store and the barcode at the, the machine, the self-checkout, which I, I'm annoyed by that, by the way. But the, self, the readers, the, they don't work right. Anybody else, like you go there, you're trying to check something out, it just refuses to work. I'm annoyed when you go to the gas station, you try to pump gas and it comes out slow. Like move the way you're supposed to move. I'm annoyed when I can't get a Wi-Fi signal for my streaming device and my movie pauses. I'm just annoyed by that. I'm annoyed by someone drinking a soda wrong. You know what I'm talking about? I wish I had one. It's when you pop the soda open and you refuse to let gravity do the work. 
Because if you drink it right and you tip it back, gravity will make it go down your throat. God is an amazing creator. But some people refuse to let gravity do the work. And how do they drink a soda? They don't have a straw. You're like, dude, just let gravity do Anybody else annoyed by, by that? Maybe, maybe it's just me. I'm annoyed by the sound of a clinging spoon on a bowl when you're eating cereal. For the love of God, just let that fruity pebble be a casualty, right? Just dump some more in the milk. Like, don't clang your, anybody else, like, I'm annoyed by that. I'm annoyed when, when I'm preaching and people crumble paper over and over. And there's been times when I've been preaching. I'm like, it's empty. You're eating a bag of chips while I'm preaching. It's gone. Stop digging your hand in the paper thing. I'm annoyed when I'm driving and my kids hold something. And the whole time, it's... I'm like, put it down. Nothing makes that much noise. I'm annoyed. I'm annoyed when someone dumps food in the sink and does not wash it down the drain. I'm annoyed when people don't close kitchen cabinets. I'm annoyed by low talkers and loud talkers. I'm annoyed by loud eaters. I'm annoyed when I have to repeat myself. I'm annoyed at slow drivers who are on their phone. Let me tell you what I'm really annoyed at. I'm annoyed when I go to Rita's Water Ice and the woman in front of me asks to taste test every flavor and gets nothing. It is it is annoying to me. I'm annoyed when people use too many and too big of words to say something really simple. I'm annoyed at having to wait in line for anything, and I am annoyed by anything breaking ever. <laughs> I'm just annoyed. And maybe you can relate with me. Like the Bible says that, that people like me, they were actually filled with a little bit too much foolishness, that that the wise person, the person that asks God, the person that humbles themselves, that they're able to move from somebody who's always annoyed to somebody who's able to overlook things, to somebody that's able to be calm. And so what I want to do is I want to give you just a few truths or thoughts that are probably going to annoy you if you're an annoyable person. Thoughts that may annoy you. Number one is this, is the first thing you need to do if you're going to embrace and change from this is you need to come to terms with it. You need to come to terms with, with some truth. And here's the thing I think we think oftentimes. I think we think, yes, I'm annoyed, but it's not my problem. It's my kids. It's my wife. It's my husband. He's he just looks annoying. <laughs> Let me show you. I'll show you a picture. Yeah, yeah, he does kind of have a punchable face. And so, like, my boss is annoying. My coworkers are, are annoying. Every driver in the history of the world besides me is annoying. Everything is annoying, and I think we think if, I could, if you could just give me some ways to stay away from annoying people, then I wouldn't be so annoyed. And here's the problem. If I put you on a desert island somewhere for a week, guess what? You would still end up being annoyed. You would be annoyed at the waves. You would be annoyed at the sand in your, in your crevices. You would be annoyed at the hot. You would be annoyed at the cold. You would be annoyed at the temperature of the water. You would be annoyed just to be annoyed. And you know that because some of you are at home by yourself for a few hours and you're annoyed. You don't even know why. You walk by the mirror and you're annoyed at yourself. And so here's the thing about it. You need to come to terms with the reality that annoyance will always be part of your lives no matter where you go. I, I think we try to do this in life. We try to think like, I'm unhappy in my life right now. What should I do? I should move. 
I don't like my marriage. What should I do? Get a new marriage. I don't like this relationship. I don't like the get a new relationship. I don't like the career that I have. Get a new career. I don't like where I'm going to school for. Get a new major. Like we often think that changing things up and getting away from things will help us to be less annoyed or less miserable and less unhappy. And I want to just tell you that annoyance will be around you forever. You can't get away from it. A few years back when my son, first son turned two years old, we took him to Chuck E. Cheese, right, uh, for his birthday. And I thought it was a good idea because when I was a kid, I had fond memories of the ball pit and Chuck E. Cheese. They don't have that anymore uh, because kids, they're just sissies today. And so uh, they'll get sick, whatever. And so I say just dump some essential oils in there. You'll be fine. And so just dump it in there. For me, like we went to the ball pit. So I had all these fond memories of, of, of the ball pit and Chuck E. Cheese. So we took him to Chuck E. Cheese. And he had a good time uh, until Chuck E. came out. And, and here's the thing about it. I started thinking about it. Why, why, why name... Chucky, the, the, the mouse, Chucky. Like for me, when I think of Chucky, I think of that little doll that wants to slash your throat. And so when I know some of you are going to say, like, hey, Chucky, that movie came out after Chuck E. Cheese was around. It was established. You're going to Google it right now and tell me because you're a fool and you like to sh- share what wisdom with me. And so you're going to let me know later. But for me, I would have renamed it. I would have named him like Bill or something safe, Bob, Bob Cheese, something like, like that. And so his name Chucky. So Chucky came out. He was terrified. And, and here's the thing. I was, I was a dad. He's my firstborn, uh, and you, you want to protect your kids, but there's also time when, when your, your kids go things that you're a dad, you like to have fun with them. Like, I remember taking Carter to, to TJ Maxx one, one time and, and went to the book section. We were looking at books, and they had this 3D pop-up book of dinosaurs. He was terrified of it, and I was just, I kept opening it up. I'm like, every time I open it up, he screams. Everybody's looking at me. I'm like, it's the book, and they're like, you're an awful dad, right? So I think from time to time you should have fun with, with your kids. And so, uh, like, so we were at Chuck E. Cheese. He hated, he hated Chuck, Chucky, and so we left. And I did the, 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 the thing that most dads would do in this room. I bought him a Chucky balloon because he hated Chucky. And I put the balloon in the car, and we took it home with us. And he was terrified the whole way of this, this, this helium balloon. And so my dad, being the sensitive you know, grandpa that is, took it with him to his house and left it in his family room at his house. And a few days later, we went to a family event there, and Chucky was there. And my son went in, he was two years old, he went into the family room, that's where the toys were at, he began to play with the toys, and Chucky balloon was there, but it was high enough away from him, and it was far enough away that he felt safe, and my dad turned on the fan, and my dad turned on the fan, balloon started moving, and it just so happened that the current of the, of the room, the balloon began to move towards my son, and he started to flip out, and as he was running, the balloon was just kind of chasing him around a circle, and so I thought it was funny, uh, his mom wasn't out there, like, I was like, this is hilarious, and so I did what all dads would do in the situation, I'm like, I'm going to tie this to the back of his pants, we're going to have some fun. And so I put the, belt on, uh, put the thing on the balloon on the back of his pants and for about five minutes until his mom heard him. We had a good time watching him run away from this balloon. And no matter where he went, he would turn around and Chucky would be there. So we've never been back to Chuck E. Cheese. He's 11 years old and he needs counseling now. But, but besides that, it worked out great for the illustration that I wanted to use for this, for this series. Because, here's, or the summer, because the truth is, no matter where you turn, you're going to see it. It's just like people are going to drive you crazy in the way that they eat, in the way that they talk, in the way that they look, in the way that they drink soda, in the way that they work, in the tapping of their pen. Click, 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 click. Just yesterday I was doing a funeral for, for, for a young man that passed away, and, and in the front second row was his, was his family with a bunch of, of nieces, and the whole time I'm trying, trying to do my, my thing and be serious, the whole time I hear... They're crumbling snacks in the back, and I was annoyed. And no matter where you go, you're going to run into annoying people, and you just have to come to terms with it. And in fact, the Bible, I tried to find a verse in the Bible that said, like, here's what you do to get away from it. 
Here's what you do to not deal with it. And I couldn't, sadly, I couldn't find it. But I did find a verse in the Bible that might help us in Colossians 3. Watch what it says. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion. By the way, compassion is the opposite of annoyance. Compassion is the opposite of annoyance. Uh, compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness, and patience. Watch what it says. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. And then I love this part. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. And here's why that understanding is so important. That let's work our way backwards. What did it say? Forgive as the Lord forgave you. Why? Because you are annoying to him. The reason that understanding annoyance is so important and understanding what it looks like to not be an annoyed person is somebody who is not constantly annoyed by other people is actually a great reflection of the character of God in their own life. You, you are annoying. I am annoying to him. I am fickle. I am inconsistent. I have to be told the same thing over and over and over again. Even when it's clear that he tells me to do something, I still think it's optional. And then when I mess up, I have the audacity to come back to him and say, my bad, help. And if truthfully, if, if God were anything with me that made sense to me, it would be that he would be annoyed. But instead he says, forgive as the Lord, Lord forgives. And then he uses this word in that sentence, bear. That's actually the Greek word of forbearance. And it means to put up with people that drive you crazy. How? Get dressed in humility and compassion and kindness. In other words, what he's saying, make that choice. You, you choose what you put on in the morning. Make the choice to put on humility and kindness because you're going to have to bear with one another. You can't get away from people. You need to come to terms with it. Number two is this. This one is the one that I didn't like to hear to myself, but I want to kind of preach it to you is consider the possibility. Here's a conversation. I got this one from my wife. And here's a conversation that often goes on in, in my house is I will complain about something. You know, complain about my kids not washing the bowls down the thing, complain about this, complain about them being loud, complain about them not letting me take a nap when I want to take a nap on Sunday. You never been there where you're trying to take a nap and every five minutes like, Dad! <laughs> you see my drawing? <laughs> oh, you want to kill them. You're like, I will, I will, I almost stabbed you because I thought you were a robber. And you want to show me your drawing outside the lines? Right? Like it's just like, Dad! Can I have a snack? You can do whatever you want if you just leave me alone. And my wife, from time to time, when I'm struggling with it, being annoyed and complaining about stuff, she will say this to me. She says, uh, have you ever considered the possibility that you are the problem? And, and in my head, I think, no, <laughs> I actually haven't. I have never in my life one time thought that I was annoying. She'll say stuff like, you drink loud. I'm like, no, I don't. And she's like, and you, you slurp. Your coffee? Well, you, no, I don't. And hey, and you yell at the kids for doing things, you do the same thing. No, I don't. She'll take me up to the bathroom and say, look at the seat. That's water for me washing my hands. Right? <laughs> so did you ever, did you ever consider the possibility that, that you're, you're the problem? And I want you to reconsider this for a second, that just maybe... That the reason you're so annoyed is it's your problem. 
That being annoyed is actually something you should deal with. That, that it's not everybody else. It's not the way they eat, the way they drive, the way they talk, the way they smell, the way they look, everything else about everybody else, but it's actually you. Watch what it says in Proverbs 29. Fools give full vent to their rage, but the wise bring calm in, in the end. The same writer in Ecclesiastes 7 says, Do not be quickly provoked in your spirit. Watch what he says. For anger resides in the lap of fools. One of the greatest leadership gurus in the world, John Maxwell, he's also a pastor. He says this. He says, leadership is taking responsibility where other people make excuses. And my question to you, and the same question I would have to answer is, how many times in your life uh, is it just easier for you to justify something? Something like this. Like, like I'm only acting like this because of you. Because you don't drive right. You don't look right. I only said that because of them, right? Like, I only lost my temper and did what I did. Yeah, I lost it. But the only reason I lost it is because of what they did. The truth is you need to embrace this mentality that you're in charge of your reactions and your responses. You're not in charge of what you do. Life is 10% what happens to you, 90% how you respond. You're not in charge of how somebody drives in front of you. You're not in charge of the lady taste testing everything at Rita's. You're not in charge of the people that shop at Wegmans on Sunday. And the way, you ever go to Wegmans? That is militant on Sunday. You ever been there? Militant on Sunday. Trader Joe's like that every day. You go to, like, I'm not in charge with the looks that I get because my kids aren't perfectly behaved in Trader Joe's, and I gave them one of those little carts to push around. You know, God forbid I get in the way of your hummus, right? (laughs) Like, like, I'm not, I can't, but I am in charge of how I respond. No one makes me annoyed. I get annoyed because the Bible says that I'm foolish. I try to teach my boys this. Like, they're, they're constantly annoyed at each other. The, the, the most popular comeback in my house right now is not a bad word, a naughty word, a four-letter word. A four-letter word. The way that they make fun of each other right now, uh, they got the character from the movie uh, Guardians of the Galaxy, Groot, and they call each other Baby Groot. I'm like, what? I'll hear it. I'll be like doing something out here. You Baby Groot, and like, it, it, it's like remember, remember, remember Michael J. Fox and Back to the Future when people called him yellow. It's like that. Like, they turn into a beast. You're just chicken. It's like baby Groot. And it'll be like, ah, start hitting. I'll be like, I walked out. I'm like, what is wrong? He called me baby Groot. I'm a, you know, and I'm like, baby Groot? I'm like, Groot's awesome. Yeah, but he's so annoying. And, there's, and, and with my kids, I'm like, just stop being. And I'm like, here's the thing. Could it be that the reason that this keeps happening the possibility that you get mad every time, and so it just keeps happening because you get mad every time. My wife does the same thing. I'll freak out in the car when I'm driving, uh, trying to get somewhere. Everybody's driving slow. Somebody's on their phone. Somebody doesn't leave at the millisecond of when the light turns green. And I'll get mad, and she'll say, could it be? Could it be that God wants you to learn patience? And so he keeps putting you behind slow drivers, and you keep not passing the test. No, woman. <laughs> Could it be that everybody else is an idiot except for me? So you got to consider the possibility that, that, that maybe you're the problem. Maybe not everybody else is the problem. Maybe, maybe you're the fool, and maybe you need to ask God to give you some wisdom. Let's just go just two steps more. Let's just call it what, what it is. 
You know, I started to study and try to figure out because I, I, I really am annoyed by a lot of things in my life. And I'll say it often. I'm so annoyed right now. So I went online and I found out that I actually have a disease. It's called misophonia. And the disease is that, that there's something inside of me where certain sounds make me freak out. It's not my problem. And we do this with everything in our world. We do this in kids' sports. It's not that your team sucked. It's that everybody's a winner. Right? We do this in school. Like, I know some people are teachers here, and so I, I, I know that there's a reason we grade different now. But, like, when I was a kid, even when I was a little kid, like, it was A, B, C, D, skip E, give you an F. We ain't even going to give you an E for effort. We're going to give you a big old F in red pen. And today it's a little different, and I, and I get it. But sometimes I wonder, like, there was, there was something, too, like, having to go home and be like, yeah. Uh, I remember in college, even, where I was like, you, 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 you got an F, or you dropped out because your grade was so much lower than an F, they literally kicked you out of the class. And there was something in life to, to face in that. Like, there's something in life to when you embrace and, and just call things what it is. Like, my team, we didn't get a trophy because my team didn't win any games. No, you're not going to get a party. We're not going to get pizza. Losers don't get pizza. Like there's something, like I want pizza. Okay, next year I'm actually going to work. When the ball is being ready to be hit, I'm not going to play with the grass and the outfit. I'm going to get my hands on my knees and get ready to go. Because I want pizza at the end of it. Whatever motivates you, just call. What if it's, instead of me saying, I got this disease where everybody just drives me crazy, what if I just call it what it is, sin? What if I just said that the root of me being annoyed by everybody else is really just selfishness in my soul? It's too much of me and too little of God. It's me thinking too much about how great that I am and too little about how great that God has made everybody else in my life. Watch what it says in James 4 because he answers this question of why we're struggling, right? Calling it what it is. He says, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Well, watch what he says. Does he say the annoying people around you? No, he says, don't they come from your desires that battle within? You desire, but you don't have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and, and, and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. Same problem as last week. You're not wise because you don't ask God. What does he say? What, what, what's, really, what's really bothering you? Is it everybody else around you? He tells us. It's something inside of you. He says, you want something, but you don't have it, so you, so you kill. Maybe you don't kill physically. I hope you don't. Maybe you kill emotionally with gossip. You tear people down. You covet, but you don't have. What's coveting? It, it's, it's being unaware of the goodness and grace of God in your life while being obsessed with it in other people's lives. It's driving in a car that, that, that you have, uh, living a life that, that you didn't deserve, uh, with a heart that's beating that you, you know you've, you've abused in your life, but somehow God has continued to keep it beating. And in the midst of all of those blessings that God has given you, that you are somehow obsessed with what somebody else has, you covet what they have, but you don't have it. What does he say? The reason we are so annoyed in our lives is not because of everybody else. It's actually because of us. You see, when I'm weary and I want rest, but everybody else gets in my way, that's where I get irritated. When I got my own agenda and I'm trying to get to work on time and I didn't wake up 15 minutes earlier, which would have just helped me get there no matter what, I could have walked to work on time. But instead, I get up two minutes too late, and then I'm freaking out because I always get behind a slow driver. I want to get there. What do I do? I get annoyed with people. 
You see, instead of just sugarcoating it and laughing about it and saying it's not big of a deal, let's just embrace it and say, really, really, it's because we're filled with too much foolishness and we need the wisdom of God and we don't have it because we refuse to ask him. You see, the truth is you don't get to move away from annoyance. Somewhere spiritually, you have to move above it. So we're going to come to terms with it. It's not going away. Consider the possibility. Maybe I'm the problem. If I am the problem, the way to handle it is to call it what it is. Let's not make allowance for it. Let's not make excuses. Let's just embrace it. I need the help of God this week because I've been annoyed with everybody and think it's their fault. And then I just want to end just practically with giving you a, what I would call a consciousness where you're typically challenged. Number four, a consciousness where you're typically challenged and an awareness. And I want to end with the story in the book of Mark chapter 6. And what I've realized in my life is there's two, there's two areas in my life where I have found myself uh, in situations where it's easily, more easily for me to be annoyed. And so when you know, you, you know what to do. When you recognize something, it's easier to combat it. And I want to take you into a story in the book of, Ma- of, of Mark chapter 6. And I don't have much time to read it, and so I'm just going to explain it to you just shortly. But in Mark 6, uh, Jesus sends his disciples out uh, to preach and share the good news. And they come back to him in Mark 6, and they are emphatic. They are excited. They want to tell Jesus about all the good things that they, they, they've done. Um, and when they get back, they're hungry and they're tired. And this is what happens. Oftentimes, uh, when, when you do anything, if you're a public speaker, anything in front of people, oftentimes you're, you're tired when you're done. And so they're, they're tired. And Jesus knows this. And so Jesus puts them in a boat and he sails to a, a place of solitude with them. And he knows they're on the brink of not only uh, just wanting to share, but they're also on the brink of being annoyed. That's just what happens. So they get to this place, they step out in what was supposed to be a solitude, an after party a staff meeting, a time to reflect. And the Bible says that a bunch of people who were in need caught wind of them, saw them, and as they were sailing to this place, found a shortcut. And when they pulled up onto the shore, these people were there waiting for them. And they're annoyed at this point. Not Jesus, but the disciples. The Bible says Jesus has compassion because compassion is the opposite of annoyance. Compassion. And why why I say that is when you're annoyed with somebody, this is what you're saying. They're not good enough. They're not a child of God. Um, They're a mistake. No wonder their parents didn't like them. No wonder they drive people nuts. And what you're doing is when you're talking like that about them, you're actually talking like that about their creator. And so compassion is different. Yeah, people annoy me. I mean, if I'm truthful, there's, there's, I'm a pastor. There's times somebody comes up, I'm like, oh, no. Again, not anybody in here first service people and I'm like we got we got to talk about this again and they're a close talker and they drank coffee this morning would this be rude for me to pop one of those mints in their mouth when they're talking this pop I'm just being honest with you like there's times when you're and compassion is the opposite of annoyance when you go they're they're God's kid and I feel for them. They're struggling. I want to struggle with them. I want to hear what they have to say. I want to make them human. I want to let them see how God feels about them. So the Bible says Jesus has compassion. He begins to preach to them and speak to them and meet their needs. And meanwhile, it's time to eat. And the disciples are like, yo, Jesus, we're tired and now we're hangry. And it's getting to be dinner time and it's time to send them away. So Jesus says, how much do we have here? At this point, there's 5,000 people there. I mean, that's a church. And what do we got? The disciples say, we have a few loaves of bread and some fish. We have enough to make each one of us a tuna fish sandwich. 
So send them away so they can go to a local half-price Applebee's, get some apps, and we'll come back and we'll do this tomorrow. And Jesus says, give me what you have. And he takes it. He prays over it. You know the story. He multiplies it. He feeds everyone that was there. And there's still, there's still baskets left over. In fact, there's 12, which is strategic. Each one of them had their own basket full of food. And there's a lot of lessons you can learn there. But what I see in that moment is men who are on the brink of living an annoyed life with people that God loves. And I saw really two, two areas of my life where I respond in an annoyed way. Uh, and I, I want you to understand them. And the first one is this, is I think oftentimes... Uh, we get annoyed when we feel threatened. And so if you are constantly annoyed, the underneath, the, the, the annoyance is what's out here, but underneath is because you feel threatened. They're, they're, they feel threatened. Why? We're not going to eat. If we, if we take this sandwich out and we give it to Jesus, we probably won't eat. And we're hungry. We haven't eaten for a long time, and this is all that we have. And what do they feel? They feel threatened. We're not going to have what we need we're not going to have what, we, what we're hungry for. Everybody else's needs are going to be met. And if you're truthful, I think the number one reason we get annoyed is we're threatened people are going to take things from us. And that's, that's when the wisdom of God is inside of you. And wisdom of God comes from prayer, but it also comes from reading his word. And you begin to understand the truth of God. And I just wrote down things. I gave you a list of things that, that I say that, I, that I'm annoyed by. And I want to give you another list of things that I say to myself often when I'm really doing well with not being annoyed. I'll say stuff like, uh, they're not in my way. It's the complete opposite. I'll be like, this person's in my way. And if I step back, I'll say, they're not in my way. They're not in my way. They're not a surprise to God. They're not a mistake. They're not keeping me from God's purpose and plans. They are also God's creation. They don't annoy God, so they shouldn't annoy me. No one, here's, here's for me, no one can stop God's plans for me. No one can shut up what God's trying to lay down for me. My day, the Bible says, is ordained. My steps are ordered, and my outcome is in God's hands. And if I'm getting irritated, it's because I'm feeling threatened, and God's truth is not my source for peace right now. See, I found out that when I feel threatened, like somebody is going to take something from me, but the truth of Scripture is nobody can take anything that God has ordained for me. Nobody. Nobody can stop God's will and purpose for my life. And so anytime that I'm threatened, I just go back to the word of God and I say, God, you're in control. And the other area that I think we often get annoyed, and most of us don't even know this, uh, we don't know where we, we struggle with this, but we get annoyed when we're tired. When we're tired. They're, they're tired in this situation. They've been ministering. They're on the brink of, of, of exhaustion. And, and they are tired. And, and isn't it true um, that when you're, you're tired and when you're empty, you have a habit of being most irritable. You know, when I'm most irritable, on, on Sunday afternoons with my kids, just this reality. Like, I, I, I'll do my thing, smile, kiss babies, whatever I got to do, get home, be like, stop. Now, I've gotten better over the years. I've learned that all of my value does not exist on what happens in Sunday morning, and they could care less about what happens at church on Sunday. They just want a daddy. They want to go to the turf field and kick the ball around on Sunday. And I have found out, but here's the thing about it. I realized a long time ago, the reason I'm so irritable on Sundays is because I'm spiritually exhausted. I'm tired. I've given everything that I, that I, that I was supposed to give, and I'm running on empty. And I have found the same thing happens on Monday, Wednesday, Tuesday, Thursday, Friday, and Saturday. Like it's just reality. 
if my kids get up and I'm, I'm just rolling out of bed at the same time as them and I'm kind of tired and I've stayed up late watching, you know, reruns of The Office or a movie or whatever and I've fallen asleep in front of the TV and I haven't gotten good REM sleep cycles and all that stuff and I wake up and they're with me and they're, they're whining because they have to wear pants. <laughs> and like I whining about a Pop-Tart and baby grooting it up downstairs and what, what is it? I'm irritated, but the reason I'm irritated is not because of them, because they're just acting like they always act. I mean, literally, that is them. I'm tired. So here's what I found, and here, here's what often happens at church. I'm going to give you one of the most practical things that I could ever give you that most people never do. And here's what it is. Years ago, God told me, he said, the problem is, is you're allowing the world to get to you before you allow me to get to you. And so if you want to be okay dealing with everything else that is on your plate this day, and this is includes your family, your work, everything else, the drivers, then you need to get to me and fill up with my presence before you ever allow the world to get to you. So what does that mean? That means you got to get up early. And I know when I preach that, you're like, okay, you have me until early. But I'm, I can promise you, one of the practices of Scripture that we see from Jesus is many, many, many times before he ever ministered and talked to and spoke to and fed and healed, you would see him go off by himself to be with his heavenly father. And what he was showing us is a principle. I promise you, some of you are always annoyed with your kids in the morning. Tomorrow, if your kids get up at, at 6.30 for school and you typically get up at 6.25 to wake them up and it's chaos in your house, tomorrow get up at 6. Go down, make your coffee because coffee is biblical this is make your coffee sit down on a couch a comfy chair somewhere like that if you're going to easily fall asleep stand drink your Folgers or whatever you drink and just pray God I need you today God my kids are about to wake up and they are so annoying and God my wife and me we typically fight in the morning and this is a chaotic house and God I'm going to get to work and everything is just going to, going to fly and then by the time I get home I'm going to be be out, out worn out and angry and I'm going to fall asleep on my lazy boy and I'm going to get up we're going to do the whole thing again tomorrow and God I don't want to live like this so God I need your help God I'm a fool but the Bible says that the beginning of, of wisdom is the fear of the Lord and so I am afraid of what my actions are going to produce in my life and in my kids life and in my wife's life or my husband's life and in my, my co-worker's life and so I'm afraid to live my life without you and so God would you fill me up and maybe you don't know what's like. Maybe you just open up scripture and you just read through a little bit of scripture and you just write down. And I promise you, the Bible says, if you seek me, you'll find me. And I get it. Some of you are not morning people, but that is a lie from Satan. Champions get up early in the morning. Every athlete you love, first one in the gym, last one to leave. That's the principle of life. Is champions are dominating the world before most people are even getting up. And here's the thing. Jesus makes champions. Jesus fills us with purpose and meaning. Jesus gives us a, a, a plan and a map for our lives. He wants to, to accomplish. In fact, I know because the Bible says that he wants to do immeasurably more in our lives than we could ever ask, dream, or imagine. Jesus is the one who makes us patient. Jesus is the one who gives us compassion. Jesus is the one. The more we hang out with Jesus, the more we reflect him to our world. So do me a favor all over our houses as we get ready to, to close. Would you just bow your heads with me? Just for a couple moments, even if you're not a typical church person, we just kind of close our eyes at this moment. Maybe the Spirit of God has been speaking to you right now. 
You see, maybe you can relate to that when I talk about not just being annoyed, but feeling like you're an annoyance. See, I think there's an other side to it. When, the reason I talk even about this message, I've never preached on being annoyed before in my life, probably because I knew I would have to deal with it then. But the reason I think it's so significant is I think it is a reflection of my God. If I think about my life and how many times that I've let him down and how many times that I've failed him and how many times that I've walked away from him and been disobedient to him and how many times I've come back and apologized over things that I already apologized for, I think about how patient that he is with me. I think about how compassionate that he is. I think about uh, as unannoyed as he has been with me been the opposite of it so this reflects the very nature of who our God is to this world when we are compassionate with people that don't deserve it we are understanding when we are patient when we see people the way that God sees them man it speaks to the character and the love and the guidance of God in our lives it speaks to the work that the Holy Spirit is doing in us the more that you grow in the Lord the more patient you should become the more at peace you should become the more compassionate you should become. So maybe that's you, you're just beginning to pray, Holy Spirit, just do a work in my heart right now. I haven't been patient with my family, my loved ones, my coworkers. I have, I'm always annoyed, and I'm coming to terms with it that I'm not going to get away from it, so I need to change something in my life. And the beginning of change is not changing things around me, it's what's inside of me. So Holy Spirit, would you begin to impact and change me to my core and my soul? I'm going to come to terms and consider the possibility. And as I consider the possibility, I'm going to embrace it and call it what it is. I'm going to be conscious of what gets me to this place in the first place. And I'm going to see change in my life through what I'm doing right here in this moment. The presence of God is here. And as your heads are bowed and your eyes are closed, I I just want you to hear me from Montgomeryville to the Plymouth Meeting and Limerick and Royersford right here in Phoenixville. I feel like there's there's people in our rooms that, that when I talk about being annoying, And maybe this message doesn't hit so much with how you feel about others, but actually how you feel about yourself. Maybe maybe that's the message that's been preached to you in your life, that you are, you're a mistake, you're annoying. you, you, You just drive everyone nuts, you drive people away from you. Maybe you don't think you deserve God because of that. Maybe you have a hard time even being in God's presence. Maybe it's been a relationship with a parent where they have always just given off the persona that, that, that we don't want you. That God gave you to us, but, but you're just kind of annoying. Just be quiet. So even coming to, to, to church and hearing about God and how he's your father, you have this understanding of how he's distant from you and, and far from you and uninterested in you, and that's the exact opposite of who God is. See, the Bible says that, that God loves you more than you can imagine. He loves you so much that he sacrificed himself on a cross for you. And Jesus stepped out of perfection and eternity and he stepped into brokenness and he meets people where they're at. He dies on a cross for our sins. On the third day, he rose from the dead. We're going to celebrate this in a couple weeks, but this message rings true week after week, day after day. That God would go to that extent to get to you, that you are not annoying to God that he loves you. That even if you've run, that God's run after you. That religion says, you, you do the work, you get to God. And some of you came here today with that understanding. I'm going to do some work on myself. But the gospel says that Jesus finished the work. And you just receive it. 
You see, you are a creation of God. You are a creation of God. He formed you in your mother's womb. He knows the beats in your chest. The Bible says that his thoughts for you are comparable to the number of sand on the shore. That when you sleep, he thinks about you. That when you're up, he watches you. That he intercedes for you by name right now. And you are his creation. But here's the thing. But you are not yet his child. See, that's your decision. The Bible says that when you decide to make Jesus the Lord of your life, that he adopts you into his family. That he gives you full reign of his his kingdom. And the thing that I love about the adoption ceremony in our world is you stand before a judge with the parents that are there and the prospective child. And they ask the parents, do you want the child? And the parents say yes. And they ask the child this, do you want them to be your parents? The child has a decision. He can say yes or no in that moment. And that's what this moment is. This is an adoption ceremony where the Spirit of God is reaching His hands out to you and saying, I want to be your Father. I want to be your Savior. I want to bring you into my family. You are not a mistake. I love you more than you can imagine. But your response has to be yes. The Bible says if you would confess with your mouth and believe in your heart that Jesus is Lord, that in this moment that you would be a child of God, that you would be saved. Some of you felt unwanted. Some of you feel unworthy. Some of you feel annoying. Some of you feel unlovable. Every one of those words is a lie from your enemy, Satan. Some of you feel shame. Some of you feel condemnation. My Bible says there is no condemnation for those who are found in Jesus Christ. That this is a place of grace. This is a place of compassion. This is a place of mercy. That God doesn't love us because we're lovable, but God loves us because he's love. And he's here right now. And I would just ask that nobody in this moment would look around. But the same way, the same way that a child has to say yes before the judge to make that parent their parent. I want want them to be my parents. The same thing happens in church. What we do is I don't make you stand forward. I don't make you stand up. I don't make make everybody look around and see you. I believe this is between you and God. But I want to know. And at all of our campuses, there's somebody standing in the front just like I am, and they're going to watch for you. And when you respond, they're going to let me know. We're going to rejoice with you, and we're going to pray together all over this house. But right now, if you would say, you know what? I have felt unwanted, unworthy, and annoying, but I believe the words you're speaking. And today, I want to make God my Savior and my Lord. I want to ask Jesus into my life. I'm saying yes to Jesus. If that's you all over our houses, what we ask people to do in this moment is in faith and in obedience and in courage with nobody looking around and say, hey, that's me. And when I say that, when I say that, you just put your hands straight up in the air. And when you do that, I'm just going to begin to pray with you. So if that's you in Phoenixville, Montgomeryville, Plymouth Meeting, Royersford and Limerick, online right now, if you need a relationship with God, if that's you all over our houses, just in courage and in boldness and in faith. If that's you, just shoot your hand straight up in the air and say, hey, pastor, that's me. I see a hand right here. Is there anybody else? Say, hey, pastor, that's going to be me. I see a hand over here to my left. Yes, yes, yes. Is there anybody else? Say, hey, pastor, that's me. That's me. I felt annoying. I felt unlovable. But today I'm going to receive the love of God. The never ending, never forsaking, never giving up on me, love of God. Is there anybody at our other campuses right now? As I wait for you to respond, that would say, hey, Pastor, that's me. Hey, there's four people at our Montgomeryville campus. Yeah. Yeah. Anybody else say, hey, Pastor, that's me? Let's begin to pray all over our houses. Jesus, thank you for this day. Lord, thank you for moving and speaking and having your way. Thank you, Lord, that your word never returns void.
And thank you, Lord, that you are saving people right now in this moment. That there's people that are choosing you because you first chose them. That this wasn't a mistake or an accident, but you set this moment up in time to change them forever. Jesus, thank you for dying on a cross for our sins. Thank you for rising in power. Thank you that our story is not over because of what you've done. Thank you, Lord, that you're forgiving our past, that you're with us in the present, and you are securing our future. Well, thank you, Lord, as we, we celebrate with heaven right now, Lord, that we're going to leave this place and that compassionate spirit is going to be in us. Lord, we're not going to be annoyed because we're not going to feel threatened and we're not going to be spiritually tired. We're going to spend time in your presence so that we can give this world a healthy picture of what it looks like to be a fully devoted follower of Jesus Christ. We're going to give patience. We're going to give kindness. We're going to treat people the way that you treat us. And we are grateful for that. We are thankful for all that you're going to accomplish. That all that you did today, especially in our Montgomeryville campus, every penny that was given, every hour that was worth, Lord, every person who showed up early to serve today and celebrate. Lord, we get a chance now to celebrate with all of heaven all that you've done. Jesus, thank you. In your name we pray, church. Let's shout amen. Come on, let's clap together.